guys, Chow Lundi. I'm Austin. This is my bro Tyler. Tyler, say hi. What's up, guys? Today we're going to be talking about the Three C's Initiative. Um, a lot of you probably haven't heard of it, but today you're going to learn. Hell yeah, man. Also, uh, before we get into it, I, I, I want to just take a minute to uh, be like, hey, bro, you know what? That, that check flag in the background is a good, uh, good touch. Thank you. Yeah, I'm finally matching you with your post-Lithuanian flag. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get inspired um, by that? Like I said, <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to have the national pride going, you know. Um, like I said in the first episode, I'm both Czech and Slovak, so I may replace it with the Slovak flag later. It just depends on my mood. But for now, it'll be the Czech flag. Hell yeah, man. All right, well, um, I guess getting into it, dude. So we're talking about the Three C's Initiative. Um, can you just run through really fast and just kind of explain that uh, pretty briefly, kind of about, like, its history, um, where it is right now, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll, we'll just kind of hit it off from there. Absolutely. The Three C's Initiative is a project that is attempting to improve the interconnectedness between different Central and Eastern European nations. Um, this comes about in terms of infrastructure, mm -hmm. roads, as well as energy supplies. Yeah. There is quite a bit of, there are quite a few reasons why this project is very important right now. Yeah, dude. Um, absolutely. I, I noticed that, that you were talking about infrastructure. Um, that's, that's actually, that's an incredibly good point. I know like a lot of stuff that I would personally comment about the three C's initiative would probably have to do with like a political aspect and also like more of a defense aspect, but looking at it from an infrastructure uh, standpoint is actually a pretty, pretty good way of doing it. Cause I feel like it'd be overlooked, especially like from somebody like myself. Um, and so do you want to run through and just kind of give like your views on infrastructure? Because obviously like I've been over to Poland, I've seen the infrastructure largely around the Southern region. Um, and I know you'll probably have a lot to say, especially how the infrastructure connects to certain other regions of Europe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no. If you want to go ahead and uh, just run through that. Definitely. To be frank, all the good roads go from East to West. So from Germany <laughs> to Russia and yeah. all the pipelines too. And all the bad roads go from north to south. Yeah. Now, you can imagine this would be a problem because, you know, Central and Eastern Europe is kind of this area between Germany and Russia that goes north to south. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if a Polish person wants to go from southern Poland to Hungary, well, there aren't any good roads through Slovakia. They're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, and in terms of trade and just increasing interregional dialogue and relationships, this is very problematic. Um, from a Czech standpoint, it's not you have it's not easy to get to Slovenia and Croatia either. You have to go through Austria, um, and even then, it's just the relationship isn't what it needs to be. So right. the Three C's initiative is all about improving the economic and the dependentness of the region. So we're not reliant on either east or west for um, energy resources. And also just to improve our relationships with each other because, you know, relationships, for example, like between Czechs and Slovenians are lacking and they need to be more robust. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's actually, it's, it's pretty cool that you're mentioning the, the relationships with, with each other. Um, I know in the past, for instance, from a, from a Polish perspective, Poland had a lot of relationships uh, with like Hungary. Obviously, nowadays, that's being strained, but that, that's a whole different thing for a whole different time. Um, yeah, <laughs> but especially for, for us Western Slavs, with you being uh, Czech and Moravian, um, 
I mean, being Polish, I, I, I can see the relationships now. Now is probably the best time for all of us to be improving the relations with each other. I mean, hell, Poland, Slovakia, and Czechia border each other. And, like, they need to look out for each other now more than ever. And I think, yeah, definitely, like, improving the infrastructure between these places would be extremely beneficial for both just uh, overall interconnectedness, also for defense. Um, but, yeah, no, no. Um, that, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Germany ain't going to do it for us, so it's time for us to take matters into our own hands. Yeah, dude. Uh, you know, for them, it's pretty much all roads have to go through uh, Berlin at this point. Um, <laughs> that's it's kind of the easiest way to go about describing that one. Um, but yeah. Also, another big issue, too, is many of the nations in the region have had to look towards Chinese investment because there just hasn't been enough investment from similar nations. Like, you know, Serbia has been having to heavily look towards Chinese investments. So is Montenegro. Yeah. In fact, I think yeah. the Chinese are investing in a huge highway being built across the mountains from right. Montenegro to improve access to the coast um, because the Western Europeans have refused to do it. And, you know, they don't need to be, they don't need Chinese investment. Why do they need Chinese investment when they could have Polish investment or Czech investment? Right, right. Slovak investment. You know, we have a vested interest in this region as well. Like, there are brothers, and also it's a region where the Balkans specifically is a region where the West has kind of failed at its own card game. And it's time for, I firmly believe that improving interregional connectedness, I firmly believe this will improve the West Balkans currently. Absolutely, dude. Uh, I bet that's, that's pretty cool. You brought up China for a lot of folks who don't know. He's uh, A lot of times he's referencing um like the belts and roads initiative which is stretching across the entire damn world it's it's pretty insane people are just taking these investments from china like you say it's it, the west isn't going to do it so they're like well shit we have to take matters into our own hands and it's kind of sad that they they can't get any help from any of their friends so-called friends quote unquote um that they have to look towards the chinese and i mean the facts are out there about what's happening with that and all the other countries that are just that they're feeling the effects of what happens when you take you know deals from the devil metaphorically. Um, they're getting screwed over by the Chinese when they when they can't pay their damn uh, loans back. And yeah, it's, it's, the it's Chinese right now may not look like the devil, but they're going to be the devil in about twenty years. And Serbia, oh, absolutely, and Negro, to be frank, are going to be fucked. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's 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 pretty valid about uh, pointing that out. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I think definitely for for especially for the case of the Balkans. It'd be really good to have that that interconnectedness. Places like you know Poland and Czechia really could help out there. A lot of Europe in general really should be willing to try to help out in that aspect. But uh, it it seems like a lot of times they really only focus on a couple places in Western Europe, <laughs> and that's that, that, that seems to be a pretty recurring uh, topic here on the show. A lot of times. Central and Eastern Europe really get neglected and kind of screwed over. And that's a damn good example of that. Uh, and, and, and something Absolutely. like the Three Seas Initiative, which would aim to connect all those areas, that would benefit it a lot. That would bring just a lot of the interall interconnectedness and maybe would have a little bit more dependency on each other rather than having to look across the globe to people that they really aren't that strong with and with people that already deal in pretty shady business tactics that are really aimed at just constricting these folks already. Um, Absolutely. And to bring it back home to Central Europe, we saw all this play out recently with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, a pipeline built from Russia to Germany, completely bypassing Central European nations. 
And this occurred after Germany, via the EU, told different Central European nations like Hungary that they could not have pipelines coming from Russia. Yeah, They said, no, fuck you, you don't get a pipeline. And they went ahead and won themselves. And now... It's kind of funny because they're kind of screwed because of the Ukraine situation. They're not getting energy resources from Russia anymore. So it's yeah. kind of funny. But at the same time, it's bad for Central Europe because now we're screwed too because we don't have our own pipelines going from the North Sea to get energy resources from Norway or Sweden, that region, to supply ourselves. We're completely reliant on Germany. And now that Germany's shut off from Russia... We're shut off too. So yeah, yeah. This that's, that's, that's exemplifies why change needs to be made. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's been a very very hot topic. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that popping up in the news. Uh, it's it's just one of those things that keeps recurring. Uh, it's always oh, Europe this, like, especially prior to uh, prior part of the winter approaching. There there was a lot of concerns that people were genuinely going to be you know freezing within their own homes and how they were going to survive in like some of these colder climates. And that's pretty cool. But I see that the whole Nord Stream pipeline, uh, I, I just I question what was going through their minds when they were like, oh, it's a good idea for us to make, you know, an economic deal with Russia, a nation that's hostile to a lot of Europe and Western interests in general. But let's just bypass all of Central Europe and say, nah, bro, fuck these dudes. We're just going to put it right here and say, we're doing it our way, and if we don't care if it hurts anybody else, which it absolutely would have, but that, that clearly, I don't know if, if that went through their mind, you know, went in one ear and went, went out the other, or if they just fucking didn't care, which that seems to be a pretty strong possibility. And now that... To be honest, I think that what went through their mind was they wanted nations reliant on them, but at the same time, they were too dumb to realize that Russian energy is a finite resource that can be cut off at any time. Right, now, right. Americans told them, you know, it may be time to start diversifying your energy reliances, maybe to get energy from America, from the North Sea, from the <laughs> Middle East, and they laughed at us. So now well, they're screwed, and because and because of their arrogance, Central Europe is, is screwed with them. It's not a good situation. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I do agree. I'm not going to lie. I really don't know if the U.S. right now should be the... Uh, the example of trying to diversify its energy uh, pr production. We, we seem to have uh, fucked ourselves out of that and given it all to the Middle East, I guess it is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we've we got our own problems here too. But, <laughs> hey, I mean, a little bit of U.S. energy could go a long way. And also just getting energy from the Middle East, that could go a long way too. Yeah, dude, see, see kind of, we're, we're kind of going on to like a little bit of like a, a political path almost with a three C's initiative, how, how that would, you know, kind of benefit. So I'm, I'm going to ask a, a pretty, pretty crazy question, I guess, just kind of general here. What do you think the political effects of having like, like a, a three C's initiative would look like? Like, and also, I guess, how would that necessarily look like? How, how could that be envisioned to uh, like, like, would you, would you envision it as like, as an EU, would you envision it as just a, uh, a, a random, like almost just like an economic zone? Would you, how would you go about, like, how, how do you personally see that being um, kind of like acted upon? Well, I think time will tell. I think now the best idea is pragmatic cooperation 
in terms of in, improving interregional connectedness economically and politically, that entails better roads, um, pipelines, as well as encouraging investments in poor nations. I think in terms of the future, we have yet to see exactly what this could lead to. I think it will depend on what occurs within the EU mm. and how things that are in motion now will transpire. You know, we could see we could see a, a strong Central Europe as its own union, independent of the EU, and that and that could be completely viable via initiatives like this. Now, it's yet to be seen if that's something that will be needed, but right. if certain trends continue, it is a possibility. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, that's one of those things too, like, I think that, that for, for those that are going to be, uh, like, watching or listening to this, um, I think that's something, I'd definitely like to hear some input uh, for, for those that want to message us and just kind of give broad info. It's one of those things, it, so many different outlooks on it. Um, and I, I know the concept of kind of like what you said is like almost like a, it, it could be its own standalone thing. That That is a very controversial thing. There's a lot of folks that, that would just, some people would be on board and be like, hell yeah, gung-ho. And some people would just say, no, we, we don't need that. And I, I'd love to honestly hear both sides of the coin and how the arguments, like the, ra the rationale for both of them. Um, yes, please comment your thoughts on this. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like the region is kind of just in a state of limbo right now where they, they realize that they're not going to get the full investment from Western Europe. And they're also seeing on an additional note that culturally some of these Western nations may not be the best examples. Mm -hmm. But of course, to the East, they know that's bad too. Yeah. So I think things are in motion right now that, that will determine sort of how the region goes about it's how it goes about conceptualizing itself in the future. Right, right. Um, I know for me, like, like, like I've said, I, I've been itching. I, I honestly, God, I've been itching to, uh, to kind of just talk about like, like a, a defense side to it. Because for me, um, how I kind of see like a central European three C's initiative, I can see this being extremely valuable. And I guess in some ways, you already kind of see it being acted upon and in, 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 partially, I should say, um, with, with like interconnectedness of certain militaries. You know, of course, we obviously we have NATO. NATO does operate, you know, every now and then you, you'll, you'll see certain joint exercises go on. And especially in the past couple of years, you've seen a lot of stuff where the U.S. Army has been very, very active in places like Poland. Um, but for like the European nations, obviously, it's pretty good for them to be tied closely to the U.S. military. I mean, it's it's infinitely better than the uh, other alternative to the East. But um, it's, yeah, man, that, that's a really good point, because yeah. I think we're seeing things in play right now that sort of are hinting that this European region may in the future have a different foreign policy outlook than Western Europeans, right. particularly regarding the Ukraine situation, yeah. which I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, so so like when I when I think of like the Three Seas Initiative, <laughs> in the past, prior to the uh, the quote unquote special military operation that uh the good the good old Russians have uh just you know happened to conduct on their own free will and the goodness of their own hearts. Woo! Um, <laughs> they uh 
prior prior to that that whole invasion, I'll, I'll put it put it that way. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ukraine incorporated into it, but that's a that's a dangerous territory right now. If you were to try to incorporate that because of all the various other connections that this region already has, like that 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 would be a recipe for current you know war and disaster. And I don't think that's that's great for this region. They need to be built up with each other. They need to stand great. But if if that wasn't if that wasn't occurring and Ukraine was able to be part of that, I think that that'd be wonderful to have have three season initiative and have them incorporated into it. They're, they're a pretty powerful force, especially now. And I think that having them there and, and, and bringing them closer to Central Europe, whom that they already try, they were trying to get closer with and still are, um, that'd be extremely beneficial. And so in, in, in a perfect world, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, a, it's a wild term, I know, but I would love to see them in it. I would love to see all of Central Europe kind of stand alone in this like this this defense pact of sorts, so that they could learn to serve each other, to help each other. Because having an entity that's willing to defend each other, like like truthfully, like not not, not even just on paper, but an actual entity that that, that is willing to go and, and help their brothers out to defend them, so shit like this in Ukraine doesn't happen to everybody. That's absolutely, absolutely. Because if it was up to Central Europe. Ukraine would be in NATO at this point. Yes, yeah, no, no. See, and, and having ha having like a, a huge block of countries that are just willing to fight and they have trained militaries, like, like properly professionally trained militaries, good equipment, and these guys are motivated and determined. You have the Russians, most of those dudes don't want to be there. And the, and the guys that are actually, you know, gung-ho and all that shit, those guys are committing war crimes and atrocities. So you have these guys over here that are motivated to to prevent the Russians from destroying them, from, from harming their culture, from gaining influence, from reversing them and trying to bring them into an Eastern sphere of influence and really screw them over in the long run, that'd be extremely beneficial. And I think that in the future, as, as we start to see like certain parts of Europe really are not, in the EU and also NATO are not as active in necessarily being connected with other parts, um, I guess namely in, in like Western countries, there's just been, in, in some Western countries, there, there's there's been not really a whole lot of great interconnectedness, um, maybe, maybe locally for, for them in, in just particular. But when you look across the broad spectrum of NATO and the EU, they don't really interact in that great of a capacity. And so for, if you would have a central European part and these guys all are willing to connect with each other, that's very damn beneficial, especially when they all have extremely similar problems and they have a con common enemy at this point. Absolutely. I think strong military cooperation between Poland, Czechia, and Slovakia, in addition to nations like Romania and others that are kind of on board, yeah. is a great idea because we all share a similar thought process. We understand the magnitude of the threat coming from the East. Yeah. But we also realize that force will be needed to combat this threat, which right. I don't think the Western Europeans with the exception of the British, have come to terms with yet. Yeah. Um, you know, so often I feel like they think that we're just, you know, these poor countries. We can't defend ourselves. We're relying on them in the U.S. But Poland, I believe, has the largest military in Europe. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the largest in Europe. I mean, at this point, uh, that really depends on how you go about it. I mean, I know France is pretty uh, – they, they, they have a pretty fair-sized military. I know – so some of the people might be like, oh, Germany, this and Germany, that. Uh, the German military has just 
God damn, they are a bag of slapped ass. <laughs> it's just they have rapidly deteriorated. And like you look in the past and you just see, you know, stuff of like German, like the the Panzers and all these other things rolling across and across of the Vistula and you know into Poland and all that. You hear of all these German triumphs early on in, in, in World War II over Poland, but it's well, like, it may be a good idea the German army is a bag of slapped ass because if they're oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's that's pretty valid, but you know nowadays, I, I was looking into the the military readiness of both countries pretty recently, actually, and it was it was just really neat to see Poland has rapidly gone on this like this, this this process of just modernization and also like this huge buildup of their military, and in Germany it just kind of seems like it just went just kind of the the quality drops, their military overall size has just deteriorated. Their equipment and training isn't the same. I'm not trying to say they're a bad military. They're not a bad military. They're just not as capable as they once were. And also, Poland has now spearheaded this this on the, the east to where in the point in a couple of years from now, they are going to be what Germany once was, uh, you know, a long time ago where they were this huge power that kind of defended the whole region. This is, you know, with, with the U.S. But now Poland's filling that role where they have the U.S. And now it's going to be Poland and the U.S. defending this region. Um, yeah, I think the Americans have realized that on some issues and on some matters, it may be more pragmatic to cooperate closely with Poles rather than Germans, particularly yeah. regarding the Ukraine situation. It just makes a lot of sense to have to move some of the military stationed in Germany to Poland. Um, so I think there is a great path now for Polish cooperation with the U.S. militarily. And also, I would like to touch on, too, Poland is a very large nation and it is getting very powerful. It yep. has the potential to be a real game changer within the EU and within the region. Yep. Um, yep. Poland militarily can defend itself. Poland politically has the clout now in the EU to sort of defend itself, defend the region's interests mm. and kind of call out Western nations for doing things that we agree with. Um, you know, now that the UK has left, I think it offers a great chance for Poland to step up the plate and start being a leader within the EU. Um, and if the, but then it opens up the case if the Western Europeans will accept Poland as another leader. What that's, What are your thoughts on thing, that? I, I I don't I don't foresee that happening. I know Poland's had had some issues with the EU. There's there's been people that have suspected in the past, like oh Poland's going to leave and all that. There's not really any signs right now necessarily saying that Poland is is like on its way out the door out of the EU. But as far as what you're saying, I think that's really relevant onto why there would be calls for intermarium. Because as it stands now, a lot of Western nations are not inclined to necessarily have Poland step up as like this next kingpin within the EU. I know, you know, Germany obviously is, I guess, technically it's like the center of the EU. Uh, the, the capital of the EU is not not there. But metaphorically speaking, that's the economic center of the EU um, and just kind of the, the political base. Really. They're, the, they, they're the guys that try to hold a lot of the political sway over the rest of the EU. In the past, that's led to a lot of conflicts, you know, namely, I, I forget when this was. I remember it was some years back of when uh, it was pertaining to the refugee situation uh, the, where the Syrians and whatnot in the Middle East were trying to come across and Poland wasn't taking them in amongst other Central and Eastern European countries. And Germany was like, oh, we're going to fine you if uh, if you don't take them in. I remember 
it was just like the biggest like edgiest comeback and it was just Poland was like dude basically fuck you like if you if you find us for not taking in the refugees we'll tax you for uh all the damages that you caused us in world war ii and i was like holy shit dude said on a world stage and i was which was, this like, really oh, opens dude. up the question um if the west isn't willing to accept central european nations as leaders and also game changers on certain issues is it more viable to have for us sort of take our own future into our own hands via initiatives like the three c's initiative and potentially in the future a much strong potentially in the future maybe an enlarged Visegrad four which if you don't know yes, yes. Visegrad four nations are poland hungary <laughs> slovakia and czech republic we generally we do have our, our disagreements right now particularly hungry yeah. particularly <laughs> hungry way to go but we do generally cooperate um on issues such as migration as well as um we sort of form a block within the eu where we can advocate for each other now there are nations like slovenia croatia romania who have i think lots of potential to join the v4 maybe maybe even austria although that may be a stretch but definitely the four aforementioned nations i think cooperation within a v4 like structure will be tremendously beneficial politically and yeah. we keep on touching on this intermarium concept yeah yeah um and to be clear we're not arguing for intermarium right now we're just juxtaposing the question that if current trends continue meaning current trends of western lack of investment and interest western <laughs> so a western attitude almost like we are colonies we are an attachment of their institutions continues then is an intermarium as an alternative to the eu really such a bad idea that's sort of the question we're posing to, to all of y'all we would love to hear your thoughts on that right right actually uh going on to intermarium so i know a lot of a lot of people would be pretty i guess skeptical of calling it intermarium um for for those uh, for those like that don't actually know fully about what intramarium was as a concept so essentially there used to be an entity i got the flag behind me the polish lithuanian commonwealth that existed for a while and it had a lot of nations that were part of it in uh, central europe but after it fell and you know many like many 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 years later uh there, there was a polish uh was josip Pisutski, he um he proposed the idea of intramarium which in his mind i, I kind of interpreted it as essentially like a way to go back to those days may maybe not in the same capacity but knowing how he was i feel like he wanted to have that same type of deal he wanted to have like a central european union uh just like this one state that could basically fight russia essentially kind of stand alone almost kind of like how yugoslavia existed as its own thing in order to be like fuck off to everybody else um, yeah that's a really good point i think intermarium maybe not maybe not the best term yeah well, a lot use, of very skeptical. But that is a historic precedent. But maybe like a Central European Union could be a good idea because you know we see that we all have more in common than we have indifference. Yeah, so yeah. And, and, and I there's think lots of potential. That said, I do not think it should be an intermarium dominated by the Poles. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's be, the problem. That's what I was about to get at, actually, is uh the uh the intermarium, like a, a lot of 
parts of why it wasn't supported back then is just because people are like, oh, you know, we don't want to just go from one empire to another and not have control over ourselves. And I, I think that that's, that's really a huge part of it. If you call it that, people are thinking, oh, they're trying to go back to the, the good old days of the empire and, and, and they're, they're trying to have power. And I, I think, like you said, a lot of folks, they don't want to have power just dominated by the Poles. Which I think a good point to bring up is, like, at first the Czechoslovaks were in, opposed to the Intermarium, but later they warmed up to it once they realized the threat of Germany and Russia. And yeah. <laughs> had there been an Intermarium, yeah. <laughs> maybe we could have preserved, preserved, like, our, could, could have prevented the Nazis from invading the region. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely the, the, the concept, I think, like, that, that's, that's why, like, the Three Seas Initiative, it, it, it just sounds nicer. Because if you knew, knew what Intermarium was, I believe the actual literal translation is just like in between the seas, uh, give or take. That's basically what the Three Seas Initiative's going for. Not in the same like colonial type aspect of just having all these different parts of this empire. But it's it's a similar idea, but it just it hits a lot on these economic sides, but also while, while, and like defense sides, all while preserving your own autonomy. And that, that, that's a really great part um, to it. But yeah. Um, we 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 we're, we're getting pretty pretty close on time, honestly. So, I guess trying trying to wrap things up. Thanks to everybody that that tuned in for this. We have a lot that we could just go on and talk about because this is a super super action packed topic. So many ways of looking at it. But like we said earlier, if you, if any of you guys have any have anything that you want to talk comment about anything we said or your views about you know a Central European uh, EU of sorts or just your views in general about the Three Seas Initiative. Feel free to come message us uh, on our Instagram or hit us up on, on, on any of our other social media outlets. Um, we're definitely super interested to hear. I, I, I'm personally super intrigued by all the different thoughts because I need to I need to hear how other people's brains are operating so I can I can learn to have more of a diverse opinion as well. Um, Boss, I don't know if you have any concluding remarks. Yeah, guys, please comment your thoughts on the Three Seas Initiative and also. Um your thoughts on kind of stronger political cooperation within Central and Eastern Europe. Yeah. Please yeah, yeah. comment your thoughts on our Instagram as well as our TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter because we would love to hear your thoughts and we and we really want to put out perspectives that don't get heard much. So yeah, yeah. don't hesitate. Hit us up. And uh, on this episode, we, we talked a lot about, or a little bit about, about the Ukraine situation. And that's really good for, for uh, those that want to know that have stuck around for this whole time. Before we head out, our next episode will be about the uh, our, our analyzation, partly, of the uh, Ukrainian conflict. It's going to be a pretty awesome episode. So hopefully, we'll, we'll see you guys then. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully see you guys then. Check thanks, out our next episode. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for checking in. We'll, uh, we'll see you all then.